Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the future of retail. Anne is actually not in studio with me today, so today I'm doing my own OmniTalk Spotlight Series. And today I am pumped because we are featuring a company that we've had our eye on for some time, and that company is Hearful. And Hearful is a company that specializes in product insights that matter. And we are joined by Hearful CEO, Lisa Kobolars. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And, and like I said, we, I, I've been following you guys for some time now. And I'd love for the audience, if you, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to give us a little background on the origin story of Hearful. And it's going to sound corny, but you know, I'd love a little earful about Hearful, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, our background is retail. Is retail. I worked uh, for The Gap and for Levi's for many, many years. Um, and I think over the last decade, we've seen a lot change with the rise of digital in retail and consumer behavior. And I think one thing that we've all learned is that if you want to win, you really have to be obsessed with your customer. Um, but that's easier said than done, um, especially when you're working for some of these really large brands. And I think that, you know, with my time spent at those brands, I was always really frustrated by the fact that it felt like the folks who were making all of those decisions about product weren't getting regular access to the customer insights that really drive the decisions. Hmm. Um, and we wanted to change that. We wanted to make those kinds of insights really accessible um, to all the different business users, not just uh, marketing or consumer insights team, but to the merchants, to um, the executives. We wanted to take the totality of all that great, rich, public customer data that is out there um, and make it really usable for creative folks that are driving those product decisions every day. So it's a win-win. Customer wins, retailer wins. Absolutely. I mean, I think in principle that makes, you know, it makes a ton of sense. It's a great aim. Like, how specifically then are you guys thinking about that? Like, what does that mean if I, if I were to double click into that last statement a little bit further? Yeah. So, um, you know, customers are out there every single day leaving feedback through uh, product reviews. Um, they're out there on e-commerce platforms, blogs, forums, all over the place, just leaving product reviews um, about the things they're buying. And they expect retailers to listen to that feedback. Um, but I think that's actually a pretty hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to make sense of it all is really what Hearful is all about. We're collecting that information, and we are helping brands really understand um, what it means. So it's a focus, if I play that back, it's a focus on what customers are saying based on how they're talking about brands and products out in the marketplace, primarily through reviews then, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's been a lot of noise then in that space, especially in the last few weeks, it seems like there's been even more noise in that space. And, and we've covered this a lot too, in terms of just, there's so much context related to you know everything that's happening in, in and around the world in a brand and specifically by way of reviews. Why, from, from your knowledge, are reviews just so important to how a brand or a retailer does its business? And, and where do you see the opportunities in there then in terms of your business model? Yeah, I think the data there is just so rich. Um, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the companies out there that are analyzing sentiment are doing it at a brand level. Um, so they're looking at Facebook and Instagram and they're trying to understand who likes this, who doesn't. Um, but, but we're different because we really want to understand that rich information that is specifically um, about the product. So being able to mine those reviews um, is what gives us that really, really granular feedback 
um, to report back and then kind of roll it up in a lot of different ways that, that make it impactful. And what, when you say rolling them up, like what type of information specifically are you guys looking for with, within that content then? Is it, is it the stars? Is it actual things that people are writing? What is it there? Yeah, so it's a little bit of everything. And I think that's what makes it so exciting is okay. that, um, you know, we're, we're essentially taking that data, we're parsing it and structuring it into themes that are really relevant to each industry. Um, so if you're an apparel company, we might be segmenting it into fit, quality, style, use, and value. Those are the themes that we use for, um, for apparel. Hmm. And so what that means is that for every review, you know, somebody might be talking about three of those different themes within a single review. They might have given it five stars, but they might have something negative to say about quality. Hmm. So we want to make sure that we're understanding all of it, right? Not hmm. just um, what star rating they left, but we want to understand sentiment around every piece of the feedback that they're leaving. And then that way we can understand, you know, once we roll it up, hey, this specific product really has a, this boot that we're looking at has a problem with the buckle. And it's not a problem that we're seeing from one person. We're actually hearing that from thousands of people, even people who have left a five-star review for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is about getting to the heart and the core of what customers are saying about products. Mm -hmm. And that can be at a category level, it can be at a department level, or it can be all the way down to the individual product. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's fascinating because there's been so much talk of just just how misleading stars can be in general across the industry, especially yeah. on some of the e-commerce platforms. Just to hear to you guys going a little bit deeper. How do you decide, like you said, quality, style, use value? How do you how do you decide that those are kind of the ultimate themes that you guys are going to look at? Yeah, it's an iterative process for us. So hmm. we combine sort of domain knowledge with machine learning. Okay. Um, and I think it's finding that right balance that gives us the ability to get really accurate and granular. Hmm. So we sort of start with a process of... Um, you know, going through identifying what what based on reviews that we're reading, what it seem which themes seem to be emerging. Um, we then feed that back through the system and see, okay, based on these themes, how much signal are we getting out of the data? If we're only getting sixty percent of the signal, it means, oh my goodness, we're missing a lot. Let's go back through. Let's feed it back through machines. Understand what we're missing, and mm-hmm. then we sort of go back and forth until we land on um, themes that are picking up the greatest amount of signal um, with the highest degrees of accuracy. And what do you mean Sorry, when you say ahead. signal? Just because it seems like an important word that you're using there in that description. What, what do you mean there when you say that? Yeah, the signal is sort of um, the, what we're getting from the customer. What are they talking about? So if we okay. feed it back through and, and we're only finding that 60% of, um, of the text and of the language is being attributed to a specific theme, then it means we're probably missing something. Now, mm. not everything that a customer says is attributable to a theme. They might just say, Great pair of pants. Uh, <laughs> right. It's hard to get much from that. Really specific there. Um, but but we want to make sure that we go through that process of understanding just how much we're picking up that can be attributed to a specific theme. And when we feel like we're not picking up enough, um, we go back through the process to um, make sure we're getting it all. Mm-hmm. That's where the machine learning comes comes in. Now, so uh, in terms of, there's some nuance to what you guys do too, which is why I think you guys are a really interesting company. So now, for, uh, in terms of everything you just described, now you're primarily working with the re- retailers and brands to provide them this information. Are you doing anything on the consumer side at this point in time to um, give them this type of information as well? How does that work? Not yet. Right okay. now, we're really focused on retailers, brands. Um, I think there is a lot of potential there mm-hmm. for customers, and we're doing some really cool stuff with voice technology, which I think could eventually help us. 
um, more on the consumer end. But right now, we're really focused on the retailers and the brands. Which makes sense. Which makes a ton of sense. And so, and the other interesting nuance in is also that you're not looking at just what what people are saying in terms of the products that say any given company is carrying, but you also have the ability to mine what the competitor information is, right? That, yeah, that's a huge part of our offering. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times um, companies sort of get stuck in their own data. Mm -hmm. Um, They're so used to analyzing their own sales data that they forget about the broader marketplace and that, you know what, there is a ton of data out there um, within the marketplace. And so when we're working with a client, we're collecting data for them and we're mining and remodeling that, but we're doing the exact same thing for any competitor they're interested in. So if Nike comes to us and says, we want to work with you and we also want data for Adidas, then guess what? We're collecting data for Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to tell the story in a way that first of all, benchmarks them against a competitive set so that mm-hmm. you make sure that, um, the insights you're pulling out, or not um, just something that is similar across the board, right? If somebody is saying, gosh, I really have a problem with the zipper on those pants, well, maybe they're always complaining about that right. across everybody, across the marketplace. Right. If you see that, oh, no, actually your brand is the only one that seems to have a problem with that, then you can, you can start to understand that better. Um, another way that it can be really useful to have that competitive data is, um, you know, we're working with a, a large global apparel brand Um, apparel and footwear, and they were looking to reduce cost on some of their um, product categories. So running mid-layers and running tops, they needed to reduce cost. And in order to do that, they they looked at the data to identify which um, features were lower priority for customers. And they looked at that across the marketplace, so across all competitors, which features that existed within these categories, did customers not really care that much about? Mm-hmm. Because why put it in there if customers don't care about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so through analyzing with fearful data, they were actually able to save a million and a half uh, on cost reduction by eliminating features that customers just didn't care about. Yeah, I can, that takes me back to my days at The Gap too. Uh, we didn't cross over, but I can remember sitting in some line reviews and I would say, why in the heck does that little metal rivet actually matter in this pant? You're probably getting charged 10 cents for every pair that you make. So that that makes a ton of sense too. Yep. So there's got to be a ton of value streams here then in terms of what you guys are able to provide to the brands. I mean, I'd love you to touch on that. I mean, when I think about this, like just right away, it's, you know, there's got to be value in terms of your product development, in terms of what materials are important, what people are saying about it. Is there trend identification too, as you're starting to look at the competition and as like in terms of what you're not carrying, like where are all the value streams here? If you just broke it out for us. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of value here, right? And we touch across a lot of different functions. Um, so uh, to your point about trend, I think trends can be really interesting to track and understanding, um, you know, how customers perceive your products now versus maybe three quarters ago versus a competitive set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of insight can come out of that because, you know, again, having worked at Gap, one of the things that they were really focused on was their denim and mm-hmm. how do we um, capture back some of the market share that we've lost in denim. And so they were so, sort of throwing the world at it, right? Like right. going after all of the different technology that they could. Wow. And, you know, when you, when you then go back and look at trends on that data, Customers saw improvement, huge double-digit increase on a metric that we call PEI, which I can get into a little bit more detail about, mm-hmm. but huge double-digit increase on how customers felt about products. Um, so they were seeing, they were seeing that change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to track that is really important. We also consider it to be a strong leading indicator. Um, 
because it is, uh, you know, it takes a while for customers to see the changes in your brand and to come back if they've left. But on the flip side, it also takes a while for them to leave if you displease them. Mm-hmm. So we consider that quite a bit of a leading indicator. Mm-hmm. So being able to just track and measure over time, I think, is important. Um, but there's a ton of other value there. So one of the things that a lot of our clients are able to do is identify new product opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our customers asking for an all cotton jeans. Um, mm-hmm. what specifically are they looking for and how do we go after those opportunities? Mm-hmm. So that can be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, product messaging can also be really important. So we were working with a retailer who had this one shirt that was, they were getting tons of returns through Amazon and they couldn't figure out why because it was doing so well at Tractor Supply and all these other channels. But mm-hmm. for some reason on Amazon, the customer just wasn't getting it. They kept returning it, but they couldn't figure out why. Um, but through our data, they were able to find out it's not being messaged appropriately. It's mm. a work shirt that's supposed to be really stiff and used in the yard, but customers thought it was just a regular button-down shirt. Right. Um, so they were getting it, and they were saying, gosh, this thing is too stiff. So that's a messaging issue. Right. Um, so we touch on messaging. Um, innovation can be a big one, um, and also making sure you're getting credit for the right innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Really, at the end of the day, it's about taking that customer feedback and using it in your day-to-day decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I asked that question because, you know, on the surface, when you when you you know when we first start talking, you, and this is what I love about you guys too, is you, of course you can make your product better day in and day out. Like it'll help in, it'll help the designers from a product development perspective. But just to play it back for the audience, like as you were talking, I wrote down three key things. I mean, you've got essentially what you almost have is a leading indicator, a proxy for market share. In categories, like a lot of the examples are around apparel, like in categories that it's generally hard to come by that information, really, in, in terms of any you know quantifiable, objective way. Then you can find the product gaps in the marketplace, too. And then I had no idea you're going to tell us that, which is that you it can actually help you with your product and item data quality, too. So did I capture all that right? Absolutely. And then the other thing that we didn't even touch on is the marketing side of it. Okay. So... Um, hmm. we were working with a um, snack bar client and they were trying to figure out why they were losing market share. They couldn't figure it out. And we mined the reviews to find out that, in fact, they were missing two huge customer segments. Um, nobody was talking about them within the context of CrossFit or Whole30, and that was the biggest growth category out there. Right. Um, so, you know, there's also applications in marketing as well. So a lot of opportunity, whether it's mitigating risk um, you know, fixing quality issues or also on the flip side, finding new opportunities to go after. Talk about that a little bit more. Cause I remember that, I remember that, that's funny. I remember that conversation, I think with you guys probably a year or so ago when we were first, first, um, were introduced to each other. So that, that also means like it helps you as a brand in terms of your distribution and your channel choices, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So in that, in that CrossFit example, like what did that mean? Like did people, did they kind of change where they were placing? If I remember right, they were changing where they placed their product too. Yeah, and I think it's it's a combination of make sure you have the, the right products that, that fit the whole 30, mm-hmm. um, but also focus on the distribution and the marketing to support it. Yeah, know where your market opportunity is and then who are the partners you're going to take to the party with you. Okay, interesting. Well, yep. well so you, you touched on it too. You talked about the, the PEI or the product emotion indicator. Let's let's go into that as well. So what what is that? Yeah, so that's a KPI that we're using that is a really great leveler. Um, and the concept's really simple. So we're essentially saying what percent of customers love your products and what percent don't love your product. Hmm. 
And we're getting to this by taking the percent of positive reviews and we're subtracting out percent of negative reviews. So it's sort of similar okay. in terms of how an NPS would be calculated, mm -hmm. but we're doing this at a product level. Um, and that gives you the ability to really quickly understand trends, spot those risks and opportunities, and get a better sense of how customers really feel about your product. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's relative to a competitive set. Right. Um, you can see how it's changed over time. And you know, on its own, it's interesting, but in isolation, I don't know that you necessarily drive a ton of value, right? Anybody can come up with that. Right. Get the value when you take that and you combine it with the specific sentiment around these different themes, because then you can start to find the drivers and you can really start to answer the why. Hmm. Um, so I know, you know, at Gap and Levi's, I always use Nielsen data. Nielsen data is fantastic. It was really great at helping you understand if you're losing or gaining market share. Right. But it doesn't tell you why. Right. You know, you never really understand why. Right. And so Hearful can actually tell you why, right? Mm -hmm. If you're looking at PEI and you're correlating it with fit or quality, you can figure out which sentiment is driving that on which categories, which departments, and specifically which products. What's an example of that that you've done or seen in the marketplace where that really came to life? Yeah, absolutely. We were working with um, a footwear company, um, and we noticed that their PEI was, was trending strong. They were ahead of competitors. And then all of a sudden, about three quarters ago, they saw a huge drop in PEI. Um, and we sort of, you know, we were working with the COO, and, um, you know, her feedback was, oh, my goodness, that was exactly when we increased prices and launched a whole new line of leisure footwear. Mm. Um, so we noticed that there was a direct correlation in how customers were perceiving their product when they increased their prices and when they launched a new product line that mm. maybe wasn't resonating with the customers. And we've seen that a lot. A lot of times when, um, when clients go after a whole new line of product, it sometimes takes a while for them to get out the kinks. Right. Um, and so in totality, you see that drop in PEI, but then if you segment it out, you can actually identify, is this driven by the new set of products we just launched, or is this related to some of our other stuff? Mm -hmm. um, so you can, you can trace it, you can track it, you can understand uh, maybe what's driving it. And a lot of times, you know, people will see that and they'll go, oh my goodness, we just made this big change. This must be what's driving it. And then they can go and formulate the actions around it. So the marketing campaigns uh, of one product area, let's say, might have an impact on, on the residual product categories that have always traditionally done really well. And this helps you to see those those types of, of gaps when they happen. Got it. Absolutely. Got it. Well, th I, I'm curious. Like, So anyone listening to this, any of our audience, you know, it's finding this that finding that you know the topic here generally potentially useful for for their company or their brand or as a retailer how do you generally work with clients like what's the best way for them to approach you and then what's 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 this working relationship look like for them yeah we're really flexible um, we have a lot of different flexible packages based on the retailer's needs and resourcing situation and so what we found is that you know some retailers have huge teams of data scientists and they want to ingest the data that we've collected and modeled so that they can plug it into other tools and run with it. Mm -hmm. And we can do that. Um, we find that there are others who really want us to do the analysis for them. And in that case, we just deliver a beautiful package of here's exactly what we found and what you need to act on. Um, and then there's others who want a slick and easy to use UI to play with. Mm -hmm. And so we really offer it all and we offer, you know, any combination of those. Our goal is just how do we make it as easy for the retailer as possible? Mm -hmm. 
That's good. That's a good differentiator. I mean, Anne and I, when she's here, we do a lot of these. And, you know, that's it's that's always one gap we do sometimes here, which is like, yeah, you might have this great kind of concept in this platform, but also being able to serve up the analytics in a very digestible way for people to understand is usually a, a pretty key differentiator. So kudos to you guys for that. Well, what's next in 2019? Like, you know, we're maybe a quarter of the way through the year here. What What's on the horizon for you guys from a product development standpoint? You know, we're continuing to try to make it easier to get those meaningful insights. We find that that's really important for the clients that we work with. And we're doing some really cool things with voice technology. Okay. Um, so, you know, when I was at the Gap, we used to do these top 30 meetings where we would sit and we'd talk <laughs> about the items that were planned to be top sellers. Right. Um, and we'd talk about why they were beating or missing plan. And um, it sort of turned into a blame game sometimes between merch design and planning, right? Very little Nobody data. Nobody was really yeah. talking about what the customer was saying. <laughs> right. So, so the idea here is, you know, what if you had a, a device in the room or could use your phone and just ask, mm-hmm. what are customers saying about this product? And mm-hmm. you get the answer. Um, so now we've developed, you know, through the use of a smartphone, um, you can ask and get connected directly to the Hearful database. Um, all of the information that we're serving up in our UI, you can actually get through your phone by just pushing a button and asking a question. So if I heard you right, it's basically a, like a style-out voice assistant right right there in the meeting itself, yeah. right there real time. Yes, and we've not yet integrated. Our next phase is to integrate the visuals into that. Okay. Um, so right now you ask a question and you get a verbal response. Um, the development we're working on now is you would get a verbal response, but then you would also have on your phone or on a projector right. um, all of the visuals to support that. So you'd have the information directly at your fingertips and through voice. My God, that would be next level. I'm just thinking back to my time heading up some of the home furnishings categories for Target. That would have been amazing. I mean, I can remember those Monday morning meetings. I'm sure everyone listening is out there too. Yeah. And they think about this too. Like, you know, what's going on with sales? And, you know, yeah, most of the time it's just basically qualitative conjecture, but being able to ask you know, a system like that and to get some real-time feedback. Um, that That's that's game-changing. That's that's great. Kudos to you guys for that. Well, yeah, are, are you ready? Cool. To get, it's a lot of fun to develop. Yeah, I bet. Are you ready to, are you ready to uh, find out how millennial are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm ready. Are you? Okay. You sure you sound a little guarded there, so I want to make sure. But um, no, but so as you know, we always close it up with the segment, how millennial are you? And uh, of course, you know, Lisa... Rest assured, it's not to actually gauge how young or how old you are. It's really just to gauge <laughs> the level of intellectual curiosity out across the industry um, because we just think here at OmniTalk that's such an important factor in terms of long-term success. So, And, of course, it also you know makes our guests and uh, very approachable and uh, keeps the conversation very casual for our listeners, so uh, something we like to do. So question number one, if you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. All right. When the option is available... Are you using a form of mobile payment or are you still pulling out your credit card? I am mostly pulling out my credit card. Okay. And why um, is that? Ex- except when people remind me. So when I have my dog okay. or my babysitters or, or other people remind me that I can pay with Venmo or with sure. something else on my phone, then I'll do it. Sure. Um, but my initial reaction is always to grab for the credit card. So a, you're a creature of habit then, so to speak, on this one. Yes. For sure. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But trying to get better. Just trying to get better. Trying to get better. Okay, fantastic. Do you, now, is Apple, so to that point, is Apple Pay installed on your phone then? No. No? Oh, okay. All right. I always love when they play these back inside the companies too. It's always great. So that's fantastic. All right. That was a good next question. All right. Um, how many food or drinks, question number two, 
How many food or drinks have you ordered via an app in the last week? So I'll tell you none, but I think part of that is because of where I live now. Okay. When I live in Hoboken, New Jersey, it was all the time. Okay. Every day. Okay. Um, I'm in Chapel Hill, North Carolina now. So oh, I'm jealous. It's just a different market. So yeah. not as many options to order food with my phone. Right. Um, so I would say in the last week, I would say none. Now, I, okay. Well, I always ask this just to help people out too. Now, that also includes Starbucks. So, um, you know, some people yeah. are coffee drinkers not. Are you, are you a Starbucks drinker using the, the app uh, that Starbucks has? I'm not a Starbucks drinker. Okay. I, I love my espresso, but I like my craft espresso. Oh, all right. Okay. You're a fancy coffee drinker. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I am a fancy coffee drinker. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Uh, all right. The last question. And usually this is the one that I think always kind of just inspires the most, kind of just curiosity in, in the answers that we receive from everyone. So if you could only use one social app, what would it be and why? So I love my LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I I just find it to be such a great source for um, it's like that right balance between news and social and um, feeling connected with what's going on out there mm-hmm. um, and building out my network. So I'm I'm hooked on LinkedIn. You're hooked on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's interesting. You brought up the point about the news. We people have mentioned that, especially CEOs have been mentioning that a lot, and it seems like people are pretty dialed into that. Um, why do you like the news function on that? Just out of curiosity, so much. You know, I love to choose um, certain executives to follow and see what they're reading, or find out new things about companies that I'm following. I feel like it's it's just such a um, I don't want to say unbiased, but it's it's based on the network that I've built for myself, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it's often news that's really relevant to what I do or what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you say this? Is actually, just a question out of my own curiosity too. Uh, because LinkedIn is so much of what we do too at OmniTalk. It's where we put out of a, a lot of our content. How do you also stay informed outside of kind of the echo chamber of, of your own LinkedIn network, just for our listeners? What do you do to stay informed outside of that as well? You know, I'm, I'm always, with with what I do at Hearful, I'm always researching. And that's one of the things I love about my job is right. that I'm constantly researching different industries, different technology, what's going on out there. So um, I think that's one of the benefits I have is just in the position I'm in. It's it's part of what I do every day. Yeah, you have to take a wide, based on what you guys do and based on the way on you, you describe it, you have to take a wide scan of everything that's happening out there. So awesome, awesome. Well, right you- now I'm researching men's underwear and I'm learning all sorts of very interesting things about men's underwear. Um, so you just never know. You know, a couple of months ago it was dog tooth. So right. I'm always learning something new. Well, that's awesome. We won't go there. That might be too risque for this podcast, but <laughs> but uh, actually probably not in reality. But um, that's awesome. That's awesome. But hey, you did great. You did great. There were some fun moments in that segment, as there always is, which is why we love to do it. Um, I can't wait to hear how it's played back at the office. But um, just to close it up, cool. if people want to learn more about you, about Hearful, about the solutions you guys offer, what's the best way for them to learn more and to get in contact with you? They can check out our website. It's uh, HearfulHub.com, or they can also contact me directly. It's just Lisa, L-I-S-A, at HearfulHub.com. Awesome. Awesome. And LinkedIn's probably a good way to hit you up, too. So, well, fantastic. LinkedIn as well. Yeah, LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. It's been a blast having you on the show. Really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thought it was really deep and really insightful. And so, again, everyone, that was Lisa Kobolars, the CEO of Hearful. And for everyone listening out there, as always, 
be careful out there.